from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. Hold on, Ed is saying, Ed, are you there? Ed? Ed, yes. Can you hear us, Ed? This is the Press Box. <laughs> to answer your question, Jared, before we go to break, and hopefully Ed chimes in a little <laughs> with Grady and Bischoff. We'll take a break, and when we come back, maybe Ed Grady will be able to hear us. You guys there? On ESPN Las Vegas. Oh, the days of clean feed and the pandemic. Missed them, missed them a lot. Ed Grady, Tyler Bischoff, Jared running the show. And start off with some Raiders. The First Bite. Is Derek Carr's long hair the reason the Raiders are 2-0? The flowing locks. Not yet, though. He doesn't have flowing locks yet, but uh, I didn't know he could grow hair. I never it's saw that kid with that hair. It's not long, though. I'm very confused But it's so different this. from what he used to have. I mean, yes, he used to just have a buzz cut yes. at all hours of the day. I just assumed he would wake up and buzz his own hair every single morning to prevent it from growing any further. <laughs> just... It's like two inches now. It's not that tall. It's not that no. long. It's just, He yeah. looks different, though. I mean, yes, because you're used to seeing him with a buzz cut, and now he let it grow for a week, and it's like, wow. Derek Carr looks at it's very, It's very funny to me that this has become like, uh-oh, Derek Carr wow. is letting his hair grow out, and it's it's not long. When you're 2-0, and oh, those news conferences become kicks and giggles, and you got to ask about his hair and, and uh, Fresno State football and, and uh, you know, what he's going to do for the weekend because, you know, 2-0 and oh with Jacoby Brissett coming. I mean, come on, 3-0 and is oh on the table. Right. He can't cut his hair until they lose, right? No. If that kid came in with a buzz cut today, that team would disown him. 2-0 and oh with the hair and he comes in with the buzz cut? No. No, he cannot do that. No. I love that that's the, that, that is a legitimate, like, wow, look at how long his hair is, and it's it's not long at all. Like, it's not even remotely close to long hair. Now, though, the memes on Twitter are great when they're putting, like, hair down his back. Yes, now they're the, putting actual yes, long they're hair They're actually on putting him. long hair yes. on him. That's actually pretty funny. Which is what I – so I kind of hope – the Raiders go like 17 and 0, and we oh, see how long Derek Carr's how long, hair can get. Yesterday, someone's like, next stop, man bun? That's like a long way to go for a, a man bun. That's a long way to go for a man bun. Yeah. Gonna have to, that's going to have to be two seasons of going undefeated to get to a man bun. Well, Tyler, if, if you read Twitter the last few days, that is on the <laughs> table and perhaps a lot or very possible. So, Jacoby Brissett is coming to play quarterback against the Raiders on Sunday. This defense is going to have another good game, aren't they? Yes, absolutely. Well, you know what the funny thing is? Well, not funny. We were sitting there yesterday when it was announced Tua was out. And the first thing we said, William Hill took it off the board, which, you know, they have to. When they put it back on, I'll check it right now, it was still like four, four and a half, which kind of told us that they don't think there's much of a difference between Tua and Jacoby Brissett. Like, it didn't go to even five. Like, okay, they're telling you that they think these dudes are pretty much the same guy. Yeah. Tua has not been impressive in his NFL career. So there's very little reason to think that Tua actually helps your team or gives your team a chance to win more than just an average quarterback. So the question is, is Jacoby Brissett an average quarterback? And he hasn't been very good in his career. He's probably a below average quarterback here. So should there be an adjustment? Probably not. There was none. It stayed absolutely right at four. Yeah. I mean, it, it probably shouldn't be that much of adjustment because Tua's probably hasn't even been an average quarterback in right. the NFL. So it, it it's really, I think, a, not that big of a deal when you're the Raiders and you're looking. I mean, maybe you've got a scheme for a slightly different quarterback and what his tendencies might be. And Jacoby Brissett was with the Colts last year. He hasn't played with the Dolphins, so him in a new offense might be different to sort of prepare for. 
but the actual like talent level, the actual expectation of what the Dolphins offense will be. They've got some okay skill uh, position guys. Their running backs and receivers are okay. Their offensive line. Jalen Waddles played yeah. decently. Their offensive line decently. though has not been good this season. And you're looking at a quarterback that's not very good. And again, the skill position guys have been okay. It's not like they've been great. No. You're not running into, you know, whatever Julio Jones, AJ Brown and Derrick Henry of the Titans or something like that. Right. You're running into Jalen Waddle and miles Gaskin. So I don't think there's that much reason to expect the Dolphins offense to be that good this week. And the Raiders defense, which has been surprisingly good for the first two games. I, why wouldn't they still there's be good in this? One? There's no reason to believe that those down four linemen will continue to pressure the quarterback and get to him. The Raiders. Yeah. The yeah. Raiders. It's so the stat that we had yesterday with Adam candy on the show is the Raiders right now are getting pressure uh, on 30% of dropbacks. Mm-hmm. They're blitzing on 4%. Like less than 5%. Yeah. yeah. They've blitzed four yeah. total times this year, and they've had like 90-something yeah. dropbacks. So it's like 4% of yeah. dropbacks they've blitzed. And no team over the last five years, I stopped looking after five, no team after the last five years has had a 30% uh, pressure rate without blitzing. without blitzing at least 15% yeah. of the time. Well, and it's funny you said this. So we asked KJ Wright about that yesterday, and he played for Gus Bradley and – I think this is just who Gus Bradley's always been. Like, he doesn't blitz. You go back, I was looking at some stats last night for a column in terms of Gus Bradley with the Seattle, either head coach of Jacksonville, um, the Chargers. Like, it seems to me, and you probably looked at the numbers as well, he blitzes only when it's, like, absolutely necessary. And K.J. Wright told us that yesterday. He's like, you know, if we can get the four guys, if we can get four guys up front playing as they are, it's going to be a surprise if he blitzes. Now, he said when they blitz so far and it's under 5%, they've gotten home and they've done well. Probably true, but let me ask you this. If they if they go through another week and they're blitzing less than 5%, but they're still getting to you know Jacoby Brissett, do you think that helps them all through three games with maybe the next few weeks or future opponents because they haven't shown much? Or is it just, look, everyone knows Gus Bradley doesn't blitz anyway? Yeah, I mean, they... So Gus Bradley, the last two years in L.A., they have been dead last in the NFL in blitz rate. So he doesn't blitz. Right. Now, to be fair here, they blitzed 11% of the time, or excuse me, 13% of the time the last two years. And so with the Chargers. Yes. So he's only blitzing 4% of the time right now. So presumably they'll start blitzing a little bit more at some point. But they were never top 10 in pressure rate. They were right around 14 or 15 the last two years in pressure rate. So if you're able to be the team that blitzes the least and get an average pressure rate, that's probably pretty good. Like Absolutely. that's decent. But if the Raiders have that drop off to where all of a sudden they're not top three, top four in pressure. pressure rate, and now they're 15 or 16, they better start blitzing or it, it puts some. a lot of pressure on the rest of the defense. Right. Then we're going to find out is Trayvon Merrick any good, right? right? Is Casey Hayward, is Casey still, Hayward as good as he looks yeah, still as dominant, right? Can Trayvon Mullen defend anything right. besides that horrible Ben Roethlisberger pass, right? right. Like can the linebackers, <laughs> play well in coverage. If Will they, Damon Arnett ever play again? Probably not. So like, but that if they stop getting the pressure, it's going to put the stress on yes. those parts of the defense. And listen, maybe Casey Hayward stays awesome. Maybe Trayvon Merrick is good. And you don't even really notice much of a drop off when they stop getting that pressure. But Merrick gets burnt a couple of times as a rookie. Hayward takes a step. Littleton back because, gets lost. Right. And all of a sudden it's like, well, what happened? Well, they stopped getting pressure right. and the rest of right. the defense really isn't that good. And that's where it gets exposed. I just, I don't think it happens this week. I, I don't, I don't think it happens this week. Right. So you're playing Miami. The, their offensive line hasn't been that good. You're not really that afraid of them pushing the ball down the field, which is still to me, sort of the big question is when they play a team that can throw the ball down the field, how do the Raiders look? 
I don't think it's going to be Miami that does that. So I don't know if it's sustainable. This is not the Charger front he had. Right, it's not. Bose is not rolling around. Right. I like it's very hard to believe that Max Crosby's the best edge rusher in the NFL. Right. Now, right. is he top 20? Probably. And that's good. I mean, that's a good sign for the Raiders, but again, he's he the way they've won these last two games, they've been, you know, close games and Max Crosby's been the best yes. edge rusher in football. If Max Crosby was not the best edge rusher in football, they're one and one and, and maybe they, 0 and 2 depending on how that Pittsburgh game. Yeah. Goes. If Max Crosby doesn't play the way he did, you're right against the Ravens, the Ravens right. probably win that. If game. he's if he's a dead average yeah. edge rusher, they right? Probably if, win if he's the, the Ravens probably win that game. Best edge rusher. He's got Good. one sack and like four pressures on the year. The Ravens probably for sure win the game, mm-hmm. and I think you could probably argue the Steelers might end up winning that game too because it was what a what was a one three point game in the fourth quarter. Yes. So like it's not yeah I mean the 16, Raiders, Raiders won by nine, but it the fourth quarter that was a close game. 16, so 10. it's yeah it's that's been a massive reason why the Raiders have been so good, and the question is can they sustain it? I don't think anybody really thinks they can. I think if you honestly ask us, Bradley, hey, can you get pressure on thirty percent of dropbacks without ever blitzing? I think right. even he'd say. Yeah, probably not. Right. So that's probably coming back to Earth. So not being able to sustain that, sustain that means, okay, what happens next? And that's where, okay, is the rest of this defense that improved or have they sort of been propped up and hidden right. by how good Crosby and Ngakwe in the pass rush has been? But again, the good news is I think it's going to kind of continue this week. I think, I think week. this week it won't, it won't matter. So Miami Dolphins coming in, which, by the way, Raiders are 2-0. and Dolphins got blown out last week. Dolphins lose their quarterback. We're talking about Jacoby Brissett starting. We're not that impressed with their offensive line. Your next sentence is the Dolphins are going to win. Dolphins are putting up 42. <laughs> it's the NFL. They're going like, to play really well, and it's going to be 28 to 7 and a half. We're like, what happened? What happened to the 2 and 0 Raiders? The tight, the tight end that I can't pronounce the last name of correctly is going to like catch three touchdowns yeah. randomly, yeah. and he's just, gonna, no one will have started him. Yeah. It's 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 bizarre. <laughs> Just New Orleans first to second week, it's bizarre in this league what happens. I mean, that's it's, it's kind of what happened to Miami this past week. They beat the Patriots right. in week one. The Bills got upset by the Steelers. And then Bills 35 to nothing. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. Like, okay, sure, we kind of expected Buffalo to win, but not 35 no, to nothing. Exactly. So, yeah, the Raiders should win this game. I expect them to win this game. But if we're in here on Monday and we're talking about a 17-point Dolphins win, I'll be like... Okay. If that happens, it's probably not true that Derek Carr is the best quarterback in the NFL. Probably not. Unless they lose like 56 to 41. Yes. If he <laughs> generates four or five <laughs> touchdowns, but they lose, then he's still he's still the guy. Then it's probably true Max Crosby is not the best. Yes. If the they NFL. give up 51, there's no chance Max Crosby by pro football focus will be ranked number one come Monday. <laughs> Who is the like? Who's the wide receiver on the Dolphins? Jalen Waddell? Yeah. Is that that's, the that's, rookie six overall pick? Yeah. I, he seems to be the only guy who's producing. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm well, saying. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Lynn Bowden? <laughs> oh, the oh, Joker. Yeah, yeah. We forgot about Joker. Was he Joker 1 or Joker 2? Was there a Joker before him? Uh, he was. Or he was the original Joker. He was the original Joker that they traded before they even saw a that's single right. like, snap up or something. Man, he's got the so, regular But he's not, he's not playing. I can't remember exactly what happened to him, <laughs> but he's not. Why would he? Be? He's not on the roster. Uh, Jared, to answer your question, Devontae Parker leads the Dolphins in targets this year and receiving Forgot cards. God, Devontae Parker is still in the league. Who is probably really good if he had a quarterback. Uh, Jalen Waddell is second on the team. Miles Gaskins, their running back, is third. 
And Mike Jacecki, the tight end, is four. There's your guy, Jacecki. He's catching yeah, three not touchdowns. Not saying his name. Uh, he has three catches for 41 yards on the year. Don't here's, I know it. Here's a guess for you guys. Only one touchdown this year for the Dolphins through the air. Who caught it? Be have, you, have you named his name? I'm not giving you the uh, I'm that away. I'll... I'll say Jalen Waddle. It is Jalen Waddle I, has caught the no only two a touchdown. The only two a touchdown on the year. Well, they didn't. Yes, <laughs> it was easy because last week they didn't have much. They had zero. <laughs> they had zero. So you <laughs> just go to the first week and say, "Who caught the touchdown pass in that first game?" So far this year, two oh one touchdown, one pick. Joe Kobe Brissett, zero touchdowns, one pick as well. So Raiders are going to win this week or get blown out, and we're going to be looking around saying, "What the hell happened?" Not 3-0 and headed to the Chargers on Monday Night Football. And then Justin Herbert throws for 450 yeah. yards, but the Chargers yes. still lose. That's what happens. Yes. <laughs> Herbert's going to throw for 450 yards and like five touchdowns, and we're looking at how the hell they lose. Not a lot of pressure, right? Yeah. All right, coming up next, let's take a look at the NHL because there are the unvaccinated players in the NHL. There's not many of them, but this is going to be a really weird season. Listen, we're going to go through it. We're going to always do what's best for the team, uh, but I can tell you up front, We would love to get Ben back, and if we can, we're going to try to do that. We're back to the Press Box with Grady and Bischoff, live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. Coming up in about 10 minutes, Jeff Erickson is going to join the show. If you have fantasy football questions for Jeff, text them to 69187. 69187. Make sure you put ESPN before your message. So, like, type ESPN and then whatever question you have for fantasy football. 69187 is the number. Send your text messages in to ask Jeff Erickson if you have any questions for your fantasy football team. Jeff Erickson from RotoWire coming up in about 10 minutes. But first, do you want to spend a little bit of time on the NHL? Because, first off, the Golden Knights are now fully vaccinated. So, they are one of the teams in the NHL that has hit the 100% mark for vaccinations. But what's more interesting is what's happening with some of the teams that are not fully vaccinated. So it sounds like there's going to be like seven or eight guys in the entire league that are not vaccinated. The Columbus Blue Jackets are not inviting Zach Ronaldo to training camp, but they are likely going to have him play for their AHL team. Zach Ronaldo is unvaccinated. Uh, Lou Lamarillo came out for the Islanders and he said, We will not allow any player in our organization to participate unless they are vaccinated. The Islanders apparently have one minor leaguer that is unvaccinated, and the Islanders said they're going to find somewhere else for him to play. So that guy's going to the KHL. Sounds like a threat. Yes. Um, And then you have the Red Wings, who have Tyler Bertuzzi, who is not vaccinated. Now, the Red Wings are not taking the hardline stance of the Islanders and saying you're not going to be a part of this organization. But because Tyler Bertuzzi is not vaccinated, the Red Wings plan for now is that he is just simply not going to play in any of the games in Canada. That when they play Vancouver, Calgary, Winnipeg, Edmonton, Toronto, Montreal, and Ottawa, he's just not available for, I'd have to go check on their schedule, but I'm guessing that's going to make up at least 25% of their schedule this year. Just not available. So that's how the Red Wings are handling their one unvaccinated player, Uh, which, by the way, if you are Tyler Bertuzzi, that sounds like that makes you so much less valuable as a hockey player that you just cannot play against six of the teams in the NHL. Well, one, good for the Golden Knights. I don't think they had put the mandate up 
I can't believe that given they're not mandating T-Mobile Arena with people vaccinated. So they obviously didn't mandate their teams. So whoever it was within the organization convinced everyone to do it there at the end. So good for the Golden Knights. Um, I have no problem with what the Blue Jackets are doing. Now, the Islanders, like we said, they're sending him somewhere else. Uh, how about the Blue Jackets, though? Um, one player will go to the AHL team. So what do you think about your AHL team? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, Jimmy's not vaccinated. Exactly. So he can't play with us. But you guys got to take him off our hands. Like, wait a minute. Why, why are you sending him down to us? I will say at least the NHL learned their lesson because in 2014, they had a measles outbreak. And in 2017, they had a mumps outbreak. <laughs> So, so like, learned- the NHL is, like, this time around, they're like, all right, we're not doing this again, guys. I'm. Are you surprised uh, only the Blue Jackets and Islanders seem to have taken this stance? Well, I don't think a lot of teams have had to. Because, maybe, they have, maybe they're 100% vaccinated. Right, because it's like it's the like, Golden Knights don't have to take this right. stance because their entire Everyone team vaccinated. is vaccinated. Now, maybe they did behind the scenes, and maybe they went to yes. whoever, if they had three guys that were yes. unvaccinated and said, listen, you guys are not playing for us right. unless you're vaccinated. Maybe they did behind the scenes, but I think what we've seen, the numbers is like, it's like 95% or something like that. It's the, the NHL vaccination rate is extremely high, so it's very few players. So I think a lot of teams are going to end up like the Golden Knights where they don't really have to make any sort of decision. The one that fascinates me is if I'm the Red Wings, and I have Tyler Bertuzzi saying, hey, I'm not going to get vaccinated. And the plan is to just not take him to games to in Canada. Canada because you got to quarantine <laughs> back and forth. I, like, Tyler Bertuzzi's getting cut. Why is that guy yeah. on my team? This guy, and here's the thing. It's not like Tyler Bertuzzi is that good. I mean, two years ago, he had 21 goals, right? He's got two 20-goal seasons in his career. But, like... You're 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 not on my team. Like you you can you are not available to play six of the other teams in this league. Yeah, you're you are not on this team, or at the very least, and not that you can restructure contracts, but I'm telling the guy you're taking a pay cut. However, the hell we're gonna figure this out. You're just not available for some of our games. I don't get why Eisman, I don't get why Eisman. Now we know the restrictions that are gonna be put on non-vax players, and like you said, there aren't gonna be many. And I. I don't know if there were threats behind the scenes, but I'm telling you, people, the Golden Knights had to convince some guys at the end. And that's oh, fine. Yeah, I believe it. And maybe they had to say, remember now, if you don't do this, all of these things are going to happen. You're not going to eat with the team. You're not going to do this. You're not do that. And maybe they just said, this just isn't worth it. Maybe it was the captain. I don't know who it was, but someone got to guys and said, look, you got to do this. I don't know why uh, with Bertuzzi. I understand the whole Canadian thing. Like you said, you have to quarantine. But you're still saying as Iserman, we're going to have this guy around our team. Like, right. we're, like, we're going to have him in our locker. Well, we're going to have him on our team. He's going to have to obviously uh, be separate by by the protocols. But why would you go to the d- length of well, he's going to be here but not in Canada? Like, just move on from him. Right. I, I, that's the part that is weird to me. Is that One like, guy? You're keeping one guy? Yeah. It's, it's bizarre. And it's bizarre that Tyler Bertuzzi, like, as a player, you would think Tyler Bertuzzi would be like, oh, I'm, it's not even the protocols. Like, it's not even like, oh, you've got to wear a mask somewhere. Can't or eat you've with the got team, right. all that stuff. It's you can't play right. in whatever lot percentage of, of the game. Yes. You cannot f- play the sport that you are You a will be home skating athlete. at the practice ring yes. while the team is in Canada. Right. It's not like, oh, just wear a mask and stay away from us for right. this certain set of time and then come play. He can't play in the games, and he's okay with that. It's... That's bizarre to me, but I think on your point about the Golden Knights, was it? It was Denzel Perryman who the Raiders signed and who was unvaccinated, right. and then he gave the quote that was like, "This sucks. Like I can't even eat with my teammates yeah. or whatever." And he ended up the Raiders are 100. percent So obviously he ended up getting vaccinated. Like 
I have to imagine that was a that's a big reason why. Yes. The gold Golden Knights are 100% that the NHL is up at 95% yeah. that it's like even if you weren't going to get it, you look at it and you say, "Oh, my life's kind of going to suck right. while everybody else is close to back to normal on my team." And I had no problem with the league doing that. That's how you force guys to get vaccinated and be 100% like the Knights are now. Yeah. And it's technically not forcing. Let's say hey, you don't have to get yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, but... you don't have to, but this is what's going to happen if you right. don't. He's going to be at the practice facility socially distanced from anyone like that he's basically going to be skating by himself in the practice yeah. facility going i miss my teammates they're you know, in canada all the little kids are going to come for bitty hockey and like stand off and say oh god get him off the ice because we got to practice that's the guy who doesn't get vaccinated all like the eight-year-olds looking and say we can't go on there he's still on the ice Unbelievable. Do they have a setup like City National where they have two rinks and one they'll do like, you know, public skate. Anybody can just show up, buy a pair and skate around. And the other one is just him all by himself. (laughs) And and they'll do like City National when you're bringing back an injured player. They put up the black curtain and you're not sure who's behind it. But this time you'll know who's behind it because the entire team's in Edmonton and someone's skating. It's like, I bet it's that Bertuzzi guy. He's out there skating. They're like, yeah, put the black. Yeah, put it up. up. We'll go to the other rink. We don't want to deal with this. Oh, Tyler Bertuzzi. I, it's a bizarre decision to me. Absolutely bizarre that that's what the Red Wings and Tyler Bertuzzi would do. Yeah. But I think what I think at the end of the day, what we're going to see is a pretty normal NHL season because of this. Yes, because absolutely. you're not going to have it. It seems even less than the NFL right now, but you're not going to have any sort of, hey, this player is going to be out. No, it doesn't seem like there'll be breakouts and like we've had. And the way the NFL has handled it is, hey, if you test positive, but you're vaccinated, Two negative tests right. in, what is it, 24 hours, yeah, 24 hours apart, and you're back. Right. The NHL, sort of the same way, right? Even if, if you're vaccinated and test positive, which can happen and does happen, Absolutely. Like, you're going to have to miss time because yeah. you tested positive. But the idea here is you can be back much sooner than if you're unvaccinated. We get tested every week, and thank goodness, like, no one's tested positive out at a football. But, you know, it's a long season, and you're, you know, in the back of your mind, like, you know, Odds, you start putting odds in like someone probably will. But, you know, if you like I said, you get two negative tests back in 24 hours, you're back and it's not that huge of a deal. But you won't have because of all these people vaccinated, you're just not going to have the breakouts that defined the bubble and all the other things. Right. It just yeah, it won't be that way. Coming up next is Jeff Erickson from Rotowire. So if you have fantasy football questions, you can ask them right now. We're taking text messages at six, nine, one, eight, seven. That's the phone number. Send your message. Make sure you put ESPN, those four letters, before your question. 69187 is the number. Make sure you preface your message with ESPN if you have fantasy questions for Jeff Erickson. Is Tyler a know-it-all? Can you prove him wrong? Tweet at Bischoff underscore Tyler and at Ed Graney. I don't know uh, Urban Meyer at all, really. I met him the other day, You know, shook his hand before the game and after the game. And, and his comment to me was every week it's like playing Alabama in the NFL. You know, that's it. Everybody's capable of beating everybody in this league. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Joining us now from Rotowire is Jeff Erickson. Again, if you have questions, fantasy football questions, text us now. Phone number is 69187. Make sure you preface your message with ESPN. Just type ESPN and then whatever your question is. But Jeff, I want to start with Justin Fields. What are you doing with him in his first start for the Chicago Bears? Right now, I'm down on around 19. Uh, There's a wide range for him. You know, obviously, he, you know, with his speed, he could be a top 10 quarterback the first week. You know, but he could also be, you know, rookie quarterback making his first start and end up a QB 28 too. 
Uh, it's so it's kind of a cop out. It's kind of in the middle there. Uh, we saw him against the Bengals, and he is okay. Allen Robinson dropped a pass that would have helped his overall line. He also had made a bad throw uh, late that got picked uh, that put the Bengals uh, in contention when they this game should have been salted away. His scrambling ability is great. He's one of the fastest quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, the rushing yards could be there. It's a tough. It's a tough road matchup though too. So I. I He's not in my top 12. What do you think of him uh, for the rest of the season? I'm excited about him for the rest of the season. I think he's going to get better and better. But, you know, we saw with uh, with Trevor Lawrence, too, that this game is not easy for the rookie quarterbacks. I mean, it's, it's, the game goes at such a, a quicker speed. You heard the uh, quote about uh, Urban. You played the quote about Urban Meyer going into this segment, talking about how every game is like facing Bama. It's true. I mean, they're, they're, the players are getting drafted from Bama, and that's only a small, small splitter. <laughs> uh, it's it's the next level up, and you know it takes a while. You know, Peyton Manning had a well, he had lots of good stats his rookie year. His team had a horrible record his rookie year. I think the top number one overall pick quarterbacks are own thirteen in their last in their season debuts in week ones uh, when they when they got to start, which is one of my favorite stats. Just shows how hard this game is. We're going to stay with him because we got a ton of texts on him. Listening to you, uh, people are asking Fields or Stafford, Fields or Tannehill. Uh, I'm assuming you'd go not Fields on either of those. And also someone just asked, is Allen Robinson playable with Justin Fields? Yeah, you're playing Allen Robinson. You're never not playing Allen Robinson. Um, yeah, it's not like he, he's Jacob Eason out there. He's not uh, <laughs> you know, who will be starting this week, by the way. It's like uh, the news today is in the indicator, but uh, – yeah, or, or, but uh, you're, you're starting Robinson. Um, but, yeah, I have both Cousins and Stafford. I mean, excuse me, uh, I'm sorry, you, you didn't say Cousins. Stafford and Tannehill. Tannehill. I have both of those guys ahead of him. Tannehill's a little closer at 14. Uh, but you've got A.J. Brown and Leo Jones to work with. Yeah, I, I'd still run with Tannehill. Uh, looking at the Raiders here, is Derek Carr going to be a top-12 quarterback the rest of the year? I've got him at 13 this week. Uh, he's a volume play. That's forty times a game. I'm not. I'm not convinced that he's reached another level so much. But you know, you got to be impressed with the results. Underestimate him in your peril. We've got a lot of questions, and it's great job, ESPN. Uh, preface six nine one eight seven. Mayfield or Herbert? Herbert. Herbert. That's an easy one. This is going to be a huge shootout in KC. Looking, really looking forward to this game. You know, Herbert should have had a massive game last week against the Cowboys, but they had two touchdowns called back. They had that silly in the grass call that was not even close. Uh, this was one of those games where the refs really came to play. Um, it was just flies all over the place. Took the flow out of this game. This should have been a shootout. It wasn't because of that. He, he's fine. He's great. All right, I'm excited about this one because it's Cordero Patterson getting mentioned here. Uh, Jalen Waddle or Cordero Patterson? Waddle, but it's close. Uh, you know, the thing is, you know, I, I want Patterson to be able to qualify at running back. In some weeks he does. ESPN, for instance, he qualifies at running back, which is, frankly, it's preferable. Uh, but, you know, Waddle's going to get a lot of targets, I think. And it's the Jacoby Brissett targets, what's that worth? Um, I expect this to be a game, though, where they're, they're going to probably be behind the Raiders, and I think they're going to have to throw a little bit more often. Follow him on Twitter at Jeff underscore Erickson. It's Jeff Erickson from Rotowire here with us on the Press Box. Nobody better in fantasy. Uh, going back to the text line, Teddy Bridgewater, trade or keep? Keep? Uh, I, I think that they've got a good system there. 
Uh, I'll tell you what, Cortland Sutton, Sutton looked a lot better in week two than in week one. They're going to get Judy back eventually. Uh, they've got a lot of good skill position players. I like Tim Patrick. I, I think KJ Hamler's got some skills. I like Noah Fan a lot. I'd say keep. What are you doing with the 49ers? Besides, you're not going to be able to trade him anyhow. Um, if you think he's legit and you have a quarterback, you know, you're probably going to, the way you profit is trading your first quarterback mm-hmm. um, and just playing Bridgewater. That's the way it always works. Say if, you know, the, the, the example I always go to is Cam Newton as rookie. Cam Newton was awesome right out of the box, uh, in part because of his legs. Uh, so people who took the chance on him got that windfall. It was, it was almost always their second quarterback. You weren't going to, no one traded for him, though. You, you, they trade for Drew Brees that year, and then you play Cam. And then that way you get your extra running back that way. That's the way this usually works. What are you doing with the 49ers running back situation? Throwing my hands up in the air and yelling to those gods because I actually have a lot of that too. I drafted Eli Mitchell in a couple of leagues, a twenty team league, twenty round season, twenty round draft. So it was like my last pick. I was just throwing and trying to get some upside. But this week I don't know if I can play any of them. That's the really tricky part here. I've got Mitchell tentatively at thirty two, but he's got the shoulder. You know, how quickly can some of these other guys get up to speed? I'm not really quite sure. Uh, I don't really think Carryon Johnson has a whole lot left. I don't think Trent Cannon is much of a player, but it's all about opportunity. You know, and it's just whoever gets a you know a chance to carry the ball in a Shanahan offense usually ends up doing pretty well. So I'm hanging around, paying attention. I think Sermon eventually gets some play, but I think Mitchell is still the guy right now. I go Mitchell, Sermon, and then all those other guys in a bucket after that. I was going to ask, how long do you hold on to Trey Sermon? Um, I, at least a couple more weeks. Let's see once he clears his concussion as he gains the confidence of the coaches. But I think it is pretty clear Mitchell is ahead of Sermon right now. 69187, preface to the ESPN. Miles Sanders or Damian Harris? Mm, good question this week. Uh, I'm going to go Sanders. I like the matchup against the Cowboys. It should be a high-scoring game. What about Marquise Brown or Rondale Moore? Marquise Brown, um, I think Rondale Moore is – the trendy guy this week, and you should pick him up. He's got a lot of skills. But let's face it, so much of his production was on a broken play where, you know, he was left in, you know, as wide open as I've ever seen. And so and that was 77 yards of his, of his production. It was a great play by Tyler Murray. And, you know, Moore did a good job to make himself available, but they had two guys, they had two receivers deep and one defender somehow. So that, that's usually a pretty good formula for the <laughs> offense. Two of the three, and I, I want to ask you specifically a second question about James Robinson. Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, or James Robinson, two of the three. And James Robinson seems like a guy who at this point, even though you look at his fantasy numbers each week, they predict 11 to 13, it, it, he's completely underachieved. Is that right? The team is completely underachieved. That's the problem. The mm-hmm. offense just can't get out of its own way. Uh, Trevor Lawrence looked great on that first drive and was terrible the rest of the way, uh, you know. Again, see also NFL defenses being hard and Vic Fangio defenses in particular being hard to try to crack. Um, I think Robinson has a snap share still that makes me confident with him. Right. So I think Smith is my sit among the three. I think it's a close call, uh, but I'm still rolling with Robinson. If you get, uh, if you could only choose one for the rest of the season, would you rather have Brian Edwards or Henry Ruggs? Edwards just barely. Uh, I think, especially in a PPR league, because I think he gets more targets. Ruggs is the you know the home run hitter, right? But uh, Edwards, I think 
who's going to get more targets over the course of the year. Uh, you know, he had that touchdown called back last week, which would have, really, you know, had that not been called back, really would have made his fantasy day because uh, he was pretty good otherwise. You know, it's just, you know, they throw so much to Waller that, you know, it's whether another receiver can be a target monster is, is a questionable. But if they're throwing it 40 times a game, then yeah, then, then, then these guys have a lot more currency. Uh, the Raiders. They're both in my top 50 this week. Raiders uh, offensive line has not been good. They have run for like just 80 yards between their running backs so far this year. Are you playing yep. Kenyon Drake this week? Only in a PPR league in a standard league now. Because, and because he gets five catches, you know, game, and there's a floor there. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, it would require some mental gymnastics to get him in there. But I think there are leagues where he'll, he'll have some value. I'm in a 16 teamer where I'm just desperate. I actually started Barber. <laughs> That's how desperate Peyton I was. Barber. Um, oh boy. <laughs> well, yeah, I had I had Gus Edwards. I had um, I had Mostert. You know, I had another guy go down. I was down like three out of my top five running backs, and so it was pretty ugly. Wait, what is what is too many teams? Like, what is your max for a fantasy league when you say that's too many? I can't play in that. Well, I enjoy that 16. 16 is about my limit, uh, but I, I enjoy the league. I enjoy the depth. I just got, I got, I got my end of it right now. I'm probably going to have to try to make a trade to try to find somebody, but uh, I prefer 14 is actually like 14 or 12 are my ideal league size. The 16 is tough. It's really tough. Jeff, um, the Miami tight end, whose name I mispronounce every time I try to say it are Robert Tanyan at tight end. Uh, Mike, make me sicky or <laughs> Robert Tunyon. Uh, I, I go Tunyon, uh, but it's close again. Uh, I, I think Kasicki got a lot of targets last week, but they were late targets, and it's Jacoby Brissett targets. So that that worries me a little bit. Not that Tua has been that much better, mind you, but I, you know, Brissett was terrible last week against, uh, against the Bills. All right, last one for you from the text line, Jeff. Jacoby Myers or Corey Davis? Uh, Corey Davis, I I think you can write off last week as a Belichick taking your best player away from you sort of uh, setting in. You know, see also Zach Wilson struggling as a rookie there again. But I, I, I go Davis. It's close. Well, he is Jeff Erickson from Roto-Wire. Jeff, we appreciate it. Thank, Thank you, very you, Jeff. Much. Take care of yourself. Anytime. Take care, guys. Best in fantasy, rotowire.com. That has a lot of good questions on the text line. It was. Got Jared to ask about Mike Jacecki. <laughs> Still can't pronounce his name. <laughs> you see, what did he, you say when you drafted him, or it was an automatic draft? You just had to push the button. Uh, it, <laughs> I, I had him in the queue, and so I yes. just sort of let the timer run <laughs> run out. Jeff gave you a phonetical way to remember how to say his name. Not he, phonetical. It's another word that I can't think of. But make he, me sicky. That's not bad. Yeah, that's sure. that's not just bad at all. Remember that. Put a J in front of it, and you'll be good. <laughs> I did enjoy that Jeff also said that the Jags offense is really bad, and we came back with, like, they have to play Alabama each week. Yeah. <laughs> Tough playing Alabama each week. All right, coming up next, I think Major League Soccer's coming to Vegas. Our stats hogwash. Are you tired of hearing Tyler do math on the radio? Call the Press Box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678. I think all these people who are on these shows now believe they're celebrities and they believe that they have this platform to use it to say whatever the hell they want. And that's how they garner the attention. That's how they get promotions. That's how they get to be on multiple networks. That's how they, you know, get their name out there and get a blue check mark and get to go to the Met Ball. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bishop. 
I think it's Met Gala. Um, I also think we're getting an MLS team. Don Garber's the commissioner of Major League Soccer. Press box transition. <laughs> and last night at halftime of the League's Cup, which was here in Vegas, he said, we hope Vegas will have a team. We're getting one, aren't we? Yeah, I think we are. I but mean, I think... the commissioner of a league is saying, we hope Vegas gets a team. But I think we kind of assume that with all the kind of big money people that have already been involved in saying either they want one or they're with Seth Klarman, these early plans and Bill Foley who wants to own everything in the world and all the, he wants to own all the sports teams. So I think if we, you know, you would have asked us what six months ago, like, yeah, they're going to get one eventually. So what do you think stops if Vegas doesn't end up one? What's, what's the issue? Like what would have prevented it from happening? Well, it was going to happen before Henderson took the A's. Now that Henderson's taking the A's, I don't know where this. Uh, I don't know where this stadium's going to be. There's plenty of land in uh, Henderson. Yeah, well, there is land. We. Uh, I don't know if it's going to stop it. I mean, look, these people, um, Foley, Edens, Clarman, they all have the money to pay the the uh, fee, uh, the expansion fee. I guess it would be where are they going to play? I think it comes down to stadium. Where are they going to so play? You have three potential owners. We don't really know how much Seth Clarman is still involved. He was. I don't know. Trying to get the the deal done at Cashman to build a whole bunch of mixed retail, <laughs> mixed use, and a stadium, but that seems to have been dead for like a year now. But you also have Bill Foley, who has spoken about it a couple of times now about how he is trying to get a major league soccer team here, and he's even trademarked the worst possible name in the history of sports in Las Vegas Heroes. And you have Wes Edens, who owns the Milwaukee Bucks, is a part owner of Aston Villa, Premier League team. And he has trademarked Las Vegas villains, which is only slightly better than Las Vegas heroes. So I like the villains better. It is. Um, But the question is, so major league soccer cares about three things when they're expanding or when they're going to a new market. Number one, do you have an owner that's got money and is actually going to be invested in the sport? I think between Edens and Foley, either one, they check that box. Number two is the fan base. The gold cup final was here. Allegiant was had over 61,000 fans in it. Like that was a tremendous event, but that was Mexico versus the U S the national teams playing for a trophy. That's not the expectation for what a major league soccer team would look like here. Last night was Seattle Sounders against Leon. It was Liga MX versus an MLS team that I think is much more comparable. The announced attendance was 24,000 last night at Allegiant stadium. 24,000 would have been the fifth highest attended team in 2019 in major league soccer. So if you can draw 20 to 25,000 for a major league soccer team, you're going to have a market that is probably good enough to support that major league soccer would say that checks the box as well. The third thing that major league soccer cares about is the stadium. And that's the bit we don't have an answer from Foley or Wes Edens as to what the stadium plan, what the stadium situation would be major league soccer prefers soccer specific stadiums. They don't like, they don't prefer to put the teams in giant football stadiums. There are a few that do it. Atlanta and Seattle fill them up too. Atlanta also sells tickets. Yeah. Yeah. But for the most part, they don't prefer that. I personally think Allegiant would be a terrible place to put a soccer team after watching two soccer games there. So it all comes down to how do these guys go about getting a stadium plan in place? Uh, Can can either one of them get public money? Can either one of them finance it themselves? Like what is their stadium plan? That to me is where this could potentially fail. If neither one of them comes up with a stadium plan, or if they both demand to have public money and nobody's willing to give them public money here, that's where I think this could fail. Well, two things. Let me ask you two things. One, 
if it had to be allegiant, if Edens and, 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 and or Foley said it's got to be allegiant, we're not going to get public money, we're not going to use our own to build a facility, how much percentage-wise do you think MLS desperately wants to be here or really wants to be here where they'd look past that? Or two, who's the next city in line? Like, how much competition are, is Vegas getting from other cities? Yeah, or, I mean, there there will be others. There's, like, 17. Like, San Diego's always involved. San Diego with Landon uh, Donovan, those yeah, guys. there's, like, 100 cities that are like, yeah, we could do Major League Soccer. Okay. Technically, Sacramento's not completely dead. They're the, they're the city that had to back out because their ownership right. group was like, oh, we can't afford this, or whatever they said. So there's, there's a handful of other cities that they could conceivably go to. So I think you could make Allegiant work if you had to, but if I was Major League Soccer, I would not want it there because for whatever reason, they built that stadium and you cannot have a full-width soccer field at Allegiant Stadium. Now, you can still have a regulation one because they allow you to have certain widths in soccer. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be the same width every time. Right. But it's the narrowest field that you play on that's allowed in soccer. And it it sucks. There's still no room on the sideline. So I can't imagine just from that standpoint putting it there. But also, I was there last night. 24,000 was the announced attendance that again, that would be the sixth best attendance in major league soccer. It felt kind of empty. I was going to ask you, that was the announced yeah. attendance. So I don't know how was, many were really there. Yeah. I had a hard time estimating. That's hard with 65,000 yeah. seats though to know how many people are really right. there. So, it, I mean, it was, the atmosphere was fine, but it still a lot of times felt empty because you look up and the entire upper deck, they didn't even sell tickets in the upper deck and they, they totally did the, uh, make it look good for TV where they sell all the tickets on one side sure. before they sell them on the other yeah. side. So it was it was a fine atmosphere. It was a fun game, but it wasn't like, wow, this is awesome. This is a top five attendance in the league, which is what it would be if they drew that every year. You could have San Diego make a run at them and play them in the new San Diego State football stadium, which is going to be 30,000. Possible. That's a lot better. The other big concern for Major League Soccer, if they wanted to play at Allegiant Stadium, is scheduling and priority. Because Raiders, if they come in, they have to play by the Raiders rules. Right. We've already seen that with UNLV. UNLV. They yeah. kick UNLV to Thursdays and Fridays yeah. whenever they want. Major League Soccer would come in. They'd be behind the Raiders. And probably the Raiders would say, listen, if we can schedule a Garth Brooks concert, you're not right. getting that Saturday right. either. Scheduling would become a nightmare for, I think, this Major League Soccer team. Because also you have UNLV in there as well. So I don't think Allegiant works. I think you could you could force it if you had to. But I don't think Allegiant would be a good venue for a Major League Soccer team. I think if we're going to do it, we need to have a soccer-specific stadium.